Ashley Brock, reading Dolores Blossom's book, Nate, Chapter 10. Darcy kept watch out the SUV, SUV window while Nate drove back to the ranch. Even though she didn't think anyone was following them, she wanted to make sure. With the airy turn in the investigation, Darcy didn't want to take any chances with their safety or the babies. She certainly didn't want a second wave of kidnappers trying to follow them to the ranch. Nate was keeping watch too, but he also had his cell phone clipped to the dash, ready, and waiting for a call from Grayson that would hopefully explain why her former client had suggested Marlene was associated with Edwin. Grayson hadn't quite dismissed the semi-accusation, but he, he'd insisted that Nate and she head back to the ranch and leave him to handle the questions, not just for Edwin, but for Marlene. It was probably a good idea because the anger was already starting to roar through Darcy, not just for Marlene's possible involvement, but because she'd seen firsthand the venom inside Dent. She thought he was innocent, but she wasn't so sure of that now. Plus, there was the money taken from Sandra's safe. Dent could have stolen it and used it to fund the kidnapping. Of course, the same could be said for Edwin or Adam. And all the interviews I did regarding Sandra Dent, Marlene's name never came up. Same here, but what would have come up with the tyrannical, tyrannical way that Sandra had treated others, especially her husband, her ex, and her son? It was that behavior in her net worth that had provided the possible motive for a motor. Nate took the final turn to the ranch and finally his cell rang. Darcy saw that it was Grayson's name on the caller ID. Nate jabbed the button to answer and pressed the speaker function. Well, Nate immediately asked Grayson. <coughs> Edwin and Marlin, Marlene know each other. That kicked Darcy's possible nose. How? Nate and she asked and used him. And the worst way possible for our investigation. Grayson sounded tired, frustrated, and riled. They had an unfair. An affair? Darcy tells. Those two don't exactly run in the same social circles. No. Grayson agreed, but they apparently met at a bar in San Antonio. He bought her a drink, and things went from there. Nate cursed. That mirrored exactly how Darcy felt. Any idea if Marlene had something to do with the kidnapping? Nate broke. She says no. So does Edwin. He puts the blame directly on Dent. Of course he would. Dent was putting the blame on Edwin and Adam, and the finger pointing was just going in circles. Edwin says the fair was short, just a few weeks, and that it ended months ago. Grayson continued. Marlene echoed the same, but I got to tell you, I'm not sure I believe her. After all, she had an entire day to give me a heads up about her relationship with Edwin, and she didn't even mention it. I have to ask myself why. Darcy's pulse went up more than a notch. Are you holding her? No, I told her not to leave town, that I would have more questions for her once I did some checking. I'll get her phone records and go from there. Edwin's too. They put this kidnapping together. I'll find a way to prove it. Thanks, Nate told him. There's more, Grayson said before Nate could hang up. The two deputy marshals are here to ex extradite Ramirez. Already? Nate cursed, and Darcy didn't blame him. They hoped to have more time to get Ramirez to talk. Yeah, and the marshals want to leave immediately. I can't stop them from taking him, Grayson explained. But I'll try. Nate thanked his brother again, hit the end call button, and stopped the SUV in front of the ranch house. But he didn't get out. Neither did Darcy. They sat there trying to absorb what they just learned. A woman they had thought they could trust, a woman they had believed, had helped them by writing 
those initials could be the very person who had helped put their children in grave danger. Darcy stared up at the iron gray sky for a moment. Everything suddenly felt heavy, dreary, even, probably because the storm was moving in, literally, but that storm was inside her, too. They got out of the SUV, and Darcy glanced around at the lack of other vehicles in the driveway. Good fewer brothers to face. When they were inside, she could smell Betsy's lunch preparations, but none of the others were around. However, there were several notes on the table, which Nate stopped to read. Where is everybody? She asked, automatically making her way to Nate's wing of the house. Maybe it was the news about Marlene, but she had to see her son to make sure everything was okay, and she headed in that direction. Nate was right behind her. According to the notes, Mason is in his office in the ranch hands quarters. Kaylin Grayson's wife, Eve, are in San Antonio. Eve had a doctor's appointment. Alarmed, Darcy stopped and rode around the face. Is that safe? I mean, the person behind the kidnapping might go after members of your family. Shook his head and ran his hand down her arm. It's okay. Cad went with him. Grayson considered having Eve rescheduled the appointment, but because of her age, the doctor here wanted her to see a specialist in the city. It's just a routine checkup. Routine? Thirst repeated under her breath. An impending birth that the family should be celebrating, but instead they were under the cloud of fear. Well, she was, anyway. Darcy didn't think she could forgive herself if something happened to another member of Nate's family. Come on. His gentle touch morphed into a grip, and he led her in the direction of Kimmy's nursery. There was no sounds. That was cause that was a cause for more alarm, and so Darcy realized both children were in the nursery, sharing Kimmy's grip, and they were both asleep. Grace, the nanny, was seated in the rocking chair, paper back in her hand, and she put her finger to her lips in a shushing gesture and joined them in the hall. They were both tuckered out, Grace whispered, but I sleep after the snack, so I decided to let them have a little nap. No, it didn't normally take a morning nap. Darcy figured he earned one because of the ordeal and the disruption in his routine. We'll be in my office, Nate whispered to the nanny. Buzz me when they wake up. Nate took Darcy toward the end of the wing until they reached his office. Like the rest of the rooms, it was large. There was a sitting area with a massive stone fireplace, several windows, but the remaining walls were filled with floor-to-ceiling bookshelves. I like to read, <laughs> he commented when she stood in the doorway, with her gaze shifting from one section of the shelves to the other. Judging from the sheer number of books, that was an understatement, and it made her wonder when he found time to do that or exercise, but his toned body certainly indicated that he worked out. In the thready, in the treadmill in the corner looked well used. It was the same for the desk, which was topped with all kinds of office equipment, including a red phone. Are you a secret agent or something? She joked. The corner of his mouth looked. It's a secure line. I need it sometimes if I'm here in Silver Creek and some sensitive SAPD business pops up. She figured that was often. Nate was a lieutenant and an important man in SAPD. That must be hard to live this far away from your headquarters. Sometimes, but it's been harder. It'd be harder if I didn't have my family around to help. Nate took two bottles of water from the fridge behind a desk and handed her one. His fingers brushed hers. A total innocent touch. But like all of Nate's touches, it had a scolding effect on her. And Nate noticed. Sorry. He mumbled. She tried to shrug it off and get her mind onto other subjects. It wasn't easy, but thankfully there were many things in the room, not just Nate, to distract her. There were the monitors, for instance. A trio of flat screens had been built into the wall. They were all on, and she recognized the playroom and the nursery where the babies were sleeping. The third, however, was an exterior shot of less green pasture dotted with horses. 
a way for me to keep watch on the ranch, she explained. Nate typed something on his computer keyboard, and the pastor screen switched to one of the outbuildings. She saw Mason talking with one of the ranch hands. We all pitch in to do what we can to run the ranch. Mason has the bulk of the workload on his shoulders. <laughs> there was regret in his voice and fatigue. Darcy strolled to the fireplace to study the photos on the mantel. As in the playroom, there was a picture of his murdered grandfather, Nate's old baggage. Funny that his old baggage was intertwined with some of her unfinished business. She took a sip of water and turned to him. As the executor of Charles Brennan's estate, I can give you keys and access codes for all of his properties, including his safe deposit boxes. If my assistant doesn't come up with anything, you might be able to find something that connects him to your late grandfather. Nate went, you do that? Of course, Darcy said without hesitation. But she was aware that just two days ago, she would have done more than hesitate. She would have refused. Citing her client's right to privacy, but her views weren't so black and white now. Being around Nate and having her life turned upside down had given her some shades of gray to consider. Since Charles Brennan had been a cold-blooded killer, she felt no obligation to hide a sense from the world or from, Nate, or from Nate and his family. Thank you, Nate said, his voice just above a whisper. She shrugged and stared at the family pictures. I know something about family love and pain, <laughs> yeah, about how complex relationships can be, he started her. Are you talking about yourself now? Darcy smiled before she accepted. Maybe a little, but smiled. I'm responsible for my father's murder. It's the first time she said that aloud, but mercy, it was always there in her thoughts, dreams, nightmares, always. Nate put his water bottle on his desk, shoved his hands in his jeans pocket, and walked up. You think you're responsible? You don't. From what I remember, your father went after the 18-year-old thug who attacked you when you were 16. She rode around, her eyes already narrowing. How do you know that? He slowly blew up. I always do background checks on lawyers I come up against in court. Felt like a huge violation of her privacy, and it was. But then she remembers she'd done the same thing to Nate and any other cop she might be going on the witness stand. No, your enemy, she mumbled. She lowered her head. I hate that you learned that about me. I keep professing I'm a good person. You are. And that was always said for some reason. Why would you think you're responsible for this, for his death? The pain from the memories was instant, instant, fresh and raw. It always would be. Because I shouldn't have been out with Matt Sounders to begin with. My father had forbidden me from dating him because he believed Matt would, was a rich bully. He was, Darcy admitted. But I didn't learn that until it was too late. Her gaze flew back to his. Please tell me you didn't see the pictures. But his silence and suddenly sympathetic eyes let her know that he had pictures of the assault. Black eyes, broken nose, busted lip, a lip, along with assorted cuts and bruises, all delivered to her face by Matt after Darcy had gotten cold feet about having sex with him. If somebody had done that to Kimmy, I would have gone after him too. Nate confessed. Maybe. He took his hands from his pockets, touched a tin chin with his fingertips, lifting it so that it forced eye contact. Your father made a mistake with carrying a gun to confront your attacker, but you did nothing wrong. That was debatable, debate she had often and lost. My mother blamed me, even on her deathbed. Dying from breast cancer dying from breast cancer hadn't stopped her from giving Darcy one last jab of guilt. Your mother was wrong too. He sounded so sincere, so right, but Marcy couldn't feel that righteousness inside her. Her father had shot and killed Matt Saunders, 
because there hadn't had the money for a good lawyer, the public defender had done a lousy job, and her father had been given a life sentence. Which hadn't turned out to be that long since last, less than a year later, he'd been killed while trying to break up a fight in prison. Your father is the reason you became a lawyer, Nate stated as if he read her mind again, his voice soothed her, a surprise. Nothing had ever been able to soothe her when it came to the subject of her father. One day, maybe we'll both be able to remember the good without the bad mixed in. Darcy wished that for both of them, especially Nate, and that hit her almost as hard as learning that he knew all about her past. she known that her feelings for Nate were changing. She blamed the danger and the attraction for that change of heart, but she was more than surprised to realize that she cared about his healing about him. And that went beyond the danger and the attraction. Oh, mercy. She was in huge trouble here. The corner of Nate's mouth hitched as if one more, once more he knew what she was thinking. Maybe he did. I'm about to make a big mistake. He wondered. Stop me. Right, she had less willpower than he did. Not a chance. Nate frowned. Now, cursed himself, then cursed her. Clearly, he was not pleased that neither of them was going to do anything about this. He leaned in closer until she felt his warm breath brush against her lips. She also felt the pulse in his fingers that were still touching her chin. She felt his body because he closed the distance between them by easing against her. It flashed through her mind that while they shouldn't be playing with fire, it felt right as if they should be doing this and more. Then he put his mouth on hers and Darcy had no more thoughts, no more mind flashes. The fiery hot, the fiery heat took over. It was as if there were starved for each other because Darcy wound her arms around him when he yanked her to him. They fought for a position, both trying to get closer, but that was almost impossible. Darcy's burning body offered her a quick solution for that. <laughs> get naked and land in bed, or in this case, the sofa, since it was only a few feet away. But Nate didn't take her to the sofa. He turned her, anchoring her against his desk while he kissed the breath right out of her. His mouth was so clever, just the right pressure to make her beg for more. And then he gave her more by deepening the kiss. The taste of him made those flames soar. But it wasn't just the kiss. He touched her too. First her face, then her neck. Using just his fingertips, he traced the line to her heart, to her left breast, and to her nipple. He was puckered from arousal, and he used those agile fingers to work some heated magic there. Darcy would have gasped with pleasure if it if her mouth hadn't otherwise been occupied by his. She hoisted herself onto the desk so she was sitting behind her. Things tumbled over and she heard the sound of paper rattling, but that didn't matter. The only thing that mattered now was feeding this fire that Nate had started, so she wrapped her legs around him and urged him closer, till his sex was against hers. Yes, she thought to herself. This was what she needed. Judging from the deep growl that rumpled from Nate's throat, he needed it too. The kiss got even more frantic. It was the same for the touching. Each of them was searching for more, and Nate did something about that. He eased her down so that her back was on his desk, and he followed on top of her. The contact was perfect, well, except for their clothes, and Tarsi reached out and buttoned his shirt, but, they, but Nate stopped her by snagging her wrist. He looked her straight in the eyes. This is just stirring up trouble, he murmured. I'm sorry for that. For a moment, a really bad moment, Darcy thought he was about to call the whole thing off, but Nate shoved up her top and pulled down her bra. He put his mouth on her breasts and kissed her. 
Okay, this was the opposite of stopping. She reached for her shirt again. However, Nate let her know that he was calling the shots because he got on the desk with her, pinning her in place with his body. They were going to have sex. She decided right here, right now. And while she tried to think of the problems that would cause, and it would cause problems, she couldn't wrap her mind around anything logical. Especially when Nate unzipped her jeans and slid his hand into her panties. His first touch was like a jolt and Darcy might have jolted right off the desk if he hadn't continued to pin her down. He kept up those maddening kisses to her breast and neck while he touched her in the most intimate way. It was making her crazy, making it impossible to speak or move or do anything except lie there and take what his hand and mouth were dishing out. Darcy felt herself racing toward a climax and tried to pull back so that Nate and she could finish this together. She wanted more. She wanted sex. But she was powerless to stop what Nate had already set in motion. His fingers slid through the slick heat that his touch had created, and he didn't stop. Not with the touching, not with the kissing. But what sent her over the edge was what he whispered in her ear. Let go from me, Darcy. <laughs> and she did. Darcy shattered her whole body closing around his fingers as his mouth claimed hers. He kissed her through the shattering and deep into the aftermath till reality hit her squarely between the eyes. Mercy, what the heck had just... What the heck had, he, had she just done? Yeah, Nate mumbled. It was that. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Trust me, though. It would have been um, harder if we had sex. <laughs> Because Nate was indeed hard, she knew basically, she knew because of the way they were still pressed together, Darcy couldn't help herself, she laughed. Nate's eyebrow rose in his mouth, I thought there'd be regret. <laughs> well, there was some of that. Nate was probably regretting it happened at all. Darcy was grinning. They had just taken it to the next level. Hence, sex crossed just as many lines as his real thing, she let him know. Plus, it was only pleasurable for me. He leaned in, kissed her heart. Don't think for one minute that you were the only one who enjoyed that. <laughs> but it seemed like an invitation for more. Darcy's body was still humming, but one look at Nate and she was ready for him all over again. It'll have to wait, he insisted. For a moment, Darcy thought the buzzing sound was all in her head. Then Nate let go of her. That's when she realized the sound was coming from his desk. He pulled in several hard breaths as he made his way to the phone. Not the red one, but the other landline. Nate snatched it up. While she got off the desk and fixed her clothes, she looked up at the monitors. The babies were still asleep, thank goodness, but her sense of relief faded when she saw the look on Nate's face. Where, he demanded of the caller. Nate cursed and punched some buttons beneath the monitor. The passion zoomed in on the high chain link fence. Darcy saw nothing at first, but then the movement caught her eye. There, someone was scaling the fence, dressed in dark clothes with a baseball cap, shadowing the face, the person dropped to the ground, and that someone was armed. Stay put and lock down the house. I'm going out there to confront this SOB. Mason, be careful. Nate drew. Nate knew it was an unnecessary warning. Mason was always careful, and his brother would no doubt take a ranch hand or two with him. The sight of a gunman meant plenty of things could go wrong, or maybe they already had. Had Ramirez's boss hired someone else to come after them? Was this the start of another kidnapped attempt? Nate hung up, and while he kept his attention on the monitors, he pressed in the code that would set the alarm for every door and window of the main house. He also took the gun from his desk drawer. Beside him, Darcy was trembling now. She had her fingers pressed to her mouth. 
Her eyes were wide with concern and fixed on the screen with the intruder. An opposite reaction from what she had just minutes earlier. Later, Nate would figure out why he had such a bad lapse of judgment by taking her that way on his desk. But for now, they had a possible kidnapper on the grounds. Please, not again, Darcy whispered. Nate knew exactly how she felt. He didn't want the children, Darcy, or anyone else to be in danger again. And in this case, the danger didn't make sense. The person behind this had already failed to get Darcy and him to serve the investigation. Heck, Darcy was no longer even Dent's attorney. But maybe this guy didn't know that. I need to go to the children, she insisted and headed for the door. No, stay here. For now, we just need to keep watch to make sure Mason can handle this. There are no viewing monitors in the nursery, and it only upset the kids if you wake them up from their naps. Nate tapped the screen where the nursery and the babies were displayed on the monitor and hoped she would keep her focus there. She didn't. Darcy volleyed glances between the babies and the menacing figure, making his way across the back pasture. Nate zoomed in on the intruder, trying to get a better look, but the baseball cap obstructed the man's face. Still, Nate had a sense of his size, about 16 and around 180. How far is he from the house? Darcy's voice was trembling now. A good three miles. The part of the property is near the country road. And that was probably why he was there. It wouldn't have been difficult to drive off the road and onto one of the old trails, then hide a vehicle in the thick woods that surrounded the ranch. And maybe the intruder hadn't realized that any movement on the fence would trigger the security system. He's, move he's moving fast, Darcy observed. Yes, he was practically jogging, while he kept a firm grip on his gun. A Glock, from the looks of it. There was something familiar about the way the man was holding it. That created an uneasy feeling inside Nate. He flipped open his phone and called Grace. Tell me Ramirez is still behind bars. Grayson didn't answer for a second or two, and that was an answer in his own. Data Mel are on their way out there right now. It's possible Ramirez escaped. Nakers, he did, and he just scaled the west fence and is headed toward the ranch. How the hell did that happen? Still trying to work that out, but neither of the marshals is, is responding. Probably because they were dead. They didn't want to believe the marshals were in on this, that they'd let Ramirez escape, but later he'd have to consider. If so, Ramirez's boss not only had deep pockets, he had connections. They just calling Mason now to tell him, Grayson explained. Good at least, then Mason would know what he was up against. How soon before... How soon before Dayton Melright? Ten minutes. That wouldn't be soon enough, because... Once they arrived, they would still have to make it out to the pasture. There was no way Mel and Dave would get there in time to give Mason immediate backup. I've taped into the security. I've tapped into the security feed, Grayson. When I can see everything that's happening, and I'll alert Mason if the gunman changes directions. With that, he hung up. Nate could only curse again and watch the monitor. Yeah, it was Ramirez, all right. But why come after them here? Why continue a plan that had already failed? Those questions created an unsettling possibility. Ramirez will spend the rest of his life in jail if he's ex ex extradited, Daisy pointed out. And his life might not be worth much since he killed a police officer. He must know he could die a violent death in prison. This could be a suicide mission. Oh yeah, death by cop. But Nate kept that argument to himself. Gave the security cameras another adjustment and located Mason. His brother was armed, of course, and was on horseback. One of the ranch hands was indeed with him, and they were both riding hard. Wouldn't take them long to close the distance between Ramirez and them. When Nate went back to Ramirez, he saw that man 
that the man was not talking on the phone. Unless it was a prepaid cell, maybe they could trace the person he was calling. Nate opened his phone and requested that trace, but he stopped cold. What's Ramirez doing? Darcy asked. She moved closer to the screen. Nate wasn't sure. Well, not sure of anything but the obvious, and that was Ramirez had quit jogging. He rammed the cell into his pocket, turned, and broke into a run, headed back to the fence. He's sleeping. There wasn't just fear in Darcy's voice. There was alarm. Nate was right there with her. Even though it would put Mason in some danger, he wanted the situation to end now. He wanted Ramirez captured or dead. He didn't want him melting back into those woods so he could regroup and come after Darcy and the children again. Turn to Darcy, knowing she wasn't going to like this, but also knowing there was no other choice. Go to the children, Nate ordered. Lock the nursery door and don't come out until I give you the all clear. She snapped toward him, grabbed him. What are you doing? I'm stopping Ramirez. Nate brushed a kiss on her cheek, shook off her grip, and ran as fast as he could. End of chapter 10. And I know, that's a long chapter. But worth it.